Father, we thank you. I give you praise for this evening. Friend and Mahasa, thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you for all your children. Thank you for all your sons and your, your daughters. Thank you, Father. Thank you. But I thank you for your mercy upon every heart. Thank you for your mercy and your grace upon every heart. Thank you for your love upon every one of us tonight. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you for ministering to us tonight. Thank you for giving us access and the privilege of fellowshipping with you. And Father, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that tonight in this unique way, which you want to help us and minister to us, I ask God that let the spiritual import, Lord, of the blessing of this time of fellowship, let it rest upon every heart, never to, to leave. Thank you, Father, for I know you are blessed Every one of us, I see a blessing, blessing. Nekariasto, naframatusia, oprano, oprano home on every heart. Thank you, cause it to, to rest on our hearts, to be established. Thank you, our Father. We give you all the glory, worship you. In Jesus' name, Father, we commit our further discussion, meditation, Lord, if we, we are able to. I commit it onto your hands. Come and take control and guide it by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, good evening to you in Jesus' name. Um, uh, I, I think that today we're supposed to just have normal discussion because we just rounded up a chapter the chapter on baptisms um by god's grace through pastor ceci we're able to go through that chapter um so i just want to open it up to for questions and i'll say just maybe you don't have to limit your questions maybe to just the chapter um, if you have any any question in your heart that you'd like to ask maybe about what any of the chapters, anything we have learned so far, or if it's just something that um, maybe is in your heart as a question and you feel that might not be related to the teachings, but you feel it's possible that others here might benefit from, um, from it, you can also ask as well. So please... Go ahead. I will just wait for some time for anyone that has a question. Please go on. We have to, I think we have to, till, we still have 15 minutes to go. So, Thank you, Jesus. 
glory to God. We are all the people who call me and send me text messages and everything. And come to my house. <laughs> this is official question time, okay? Hello, Pastor. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Pastor, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How are you doing, sir? I'm very well, sir. So I just feel maybe I should um, just throw these questions to the house. Like, we have, um, we have, um, I have like three questions here, you know, okay. so from the manual, just feel I should ask. Maybe somebody can just explain what they understand by baptism and then the doctrine of baptism. So that the difference as in what is baptism and what is the doctrine of baptism. Uh, maybe you can help me phrase it in such a way that probably people would understand and we can have a discussion around it. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Okay. What is baptism? This was this from our last chapter. So <clears throat> baptism and what is uh, I think that one is straightforward enough. So I think someone can easily just answer if she if she would like. Okay. Uh, Pastor, should we call names? Um, um, we can, but I don't know, because we we're not in a we're not in a kindergarten class. So, <laughs> uh, okay, I, I, I would prefer for someone who has something to say to speak. Otherwise, to speak. all right, so no just just uh, end the call and go. No okay, so. Okay, sir. Okay, I see. Uh, Brian is, is raising his hands. Um, good, good evening, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, to baptize is to immerse, essentially. Okay. Yes, sir. Just to answer the first question. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Um, Danny yes. and okay, Danny and Dami, please go ahead. Oh, oh, your voice is a bit low. Hello, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Uh, just answer the second question, uh, the doctrine of baptism. Because I remember when we started, they said, you know, the, doc the baptism is both a doctrine and a doctrine. And we're talking about doctrine as, you know, that teaching, the teaching aspect of it. As it goes, the total is continuous. So I just want to also add that one to what Christina said. So it's a continuous thing that we need to be continuously baptized, just like we rightly said last week, too, that at every point in the world, always looking for that oneness, that oneness in Christ, we look for that oneness, one faith, one, one law. There's always that continuity to be indoctrinated. That is the doctrine. The of baptisms. That's what I wanted to add. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, okay, Tammy's hand is up. 
Yes, yeah, sir. Just to add to what Daniel said also, you know, going off what was taught last week um, about oneness, right? And Pastor Sessi said, uh, I remember him saying oneness is ultimately the divine nature. And when I think about the word baptism, right, I remember the great commission that Jesus gave to the disciples, telling them to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, of the, of the, of the Holy Ghost, right? So I see it more as a learning. And another word that Pastor Sessi also used to describe it as is a vocation. And we were seeing also that a vocation doesn't just end at one place, but it's continuous. So we can see that the doctrine of baptism, and I believe you came in toward the end of the lesson to last week to describe the process of baptism being a continuous thing. And we were just looking at it from a high level, but baptism is actually an it's it's a, it's a process um, mm. that that keeps going on, and it's not just something that's done. Right, <laughs> Pastor Sessi cracked a funny joke. Said people that say they're once shaved, like you can't just be saved once, but you yeah. have to be continually saved, essentially, yes. sir. Awesome. Thank you so much. The tire's hand was up, or he put it down again. Had a question, uh, like oh, your voice, your voice, a bit low, a bit low. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I had a question last week. Um, or I don't know if it was a question, but I think more just like what things you said towards the end about like the practice of dying in relation to like baptism. Yeah. like and it that it kind of stuck in my heart i don't know i feel like i would really want if you could like expand expand on it like more because i was just seeing how you said like that was very essential it was almost like a foundation mm-hmm. like a person should like young believers should kind of learn as a foundation of baptism like the way you put it was like yes the, the symbolic nature of being of like losing yourself constantly and them putting things or you receiving things inside of you like i don't there was just a way you explained it i i would really love if you can like expansion that more yeah okay so i can i can do that praise god um I, i believe i was what i was trying to pass across was um um getting the essence of uh so i think if you read that hebrews chapter six uh, where they mention the doctrine of baptism hebrews six verse one uh he says therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of christ let us go on unto perfection not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and then faith towards God or the doctrine of baptisms. So he mentioned the doctrine of baptism among some of the other things here as you know one of the foundation, right, or what he calls the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Our principle means the, the principal things 
right, which is the foundation which uh, must be in place for someone before someone then moves to begin to learn the doctrine of Christ. And I believe what I was trying to say was that the this thing called the doctrine of baptism, um, you see it's, it's plural there. So it's not um, baptism um, just as one thing, but it's about understanding that there is, and word for doctrine is almost like precepts or uh, yeah, precepts that um, contains sort of definition of something that is important, right? Or, or doctrine means um, is a kind is like almost a, a de detailed kind of um, detailed kind of exposition, right? Of key elements that need to be in place. Uh, for to serve the purpose of, you know, in this case, um, it's really about the pursuit of the life of God, or here he calls it Christ. What he calls Christ here is, you know, you know, receiving the image of Christ, right? Uh, which is um, itself is a doctrine. Mm -hmm. But this doctrine of baptism here is sort of like um, an understanding that a soul must have, a person must have that you must, agree, you must agree and fully understand the concept of baptisms or immersions. And that understanding, when you come into it, will serve as a foundation for the doctrine of christ right so the doctrine of christ is the point where you actually begin to really come into the content of what the bible has to offer right the first you come into the doctrine of christ then of course you have to come into the doctrine of god later on so uh, doctrine of baptisms is understanding the principle of immersion I don't, baptism means immersion. There's a principle of immersion that is connected with spiritual journey or spiritual growth or anything that is spiritual according to the New Testament um, is done within the context of in that thing called immersion. Let's see that Matthew, what Jesus Christ said, or what we call the Great Commission. Matthew 28, <clears throat> Matthew 28, towards the end, verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and then teach all nations, baptizing them. So you teach them, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So this commission to teach all nations, 
And then it's the same thing as baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then, so that thing called baptism, to then see, to then, Jesus connects baptism and teaching. So it means that to understand what teaching is meant to do, the, the soul has to come into a place where you see teaching as baptism. So in order to understand what teaching is meant to do, the purpose of teaching is you must have that knowledge or that understanding of the process of baptism. And part of explaining that process was in Romans chapter 6. In Romans 6, read just from verse 1, uh, saying that, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in seeing that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? And then therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, and even so we should walk in newness of life. And he goes on to say, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, that we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. By knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not have sin. So you see, so this is just clearly taking that concept of baptism and explaining it, tying it to something dying, the way immersion, you know, is presence of something going into the water and then being raised back up again. So this verse is just saying that baptism is like a, a demonstration or a symbol of that of a death and a resurrection, right? Two, two things that must happen a death must occur and the resurrection must occur, right? And then for that death, of course, what needs to die? Verse 2 was saying, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein, right? Then know you know that so many of us were baptized unto Jesus Christ, were baptized unto his death, right? Then therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so then we should walk in newness of life. So in the metaphor of baptism, the, the going down means dying to or dying of sins. And what you call sin means everything that is not in alignment with God's will, right? And God's ways. And then there has to be, has to be died, to, to be dead and buried. And then there's something called newness of life that should uh, that should arise at that place so death everything that is contrary to the will and then newness of life so you see this thing of dying and resurrection what jesus was teaching in romans chapter 28 is that every time that you are teaching right this kind of thing should be ongoing the purpose of teaching of doctrine of teaching in the New Testament is to cause a death and a resurrection to occur. 
right? That's the power of the New Testament. And that's something that every Christian needs to, you know, take into and extrapolate into their entire life, right? That is said as, as we are raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that even so we should walk in the newness of life. Uh, so this is something that um, every heart must deeply know. And that, that's why it's called a foundational principle of the doctrine of Christ, meaning that if any, any heart that doesn't understand this concept of dying so that everything that's contrary to God's will will, will be buried and then being resurrected for the purpose of newness of life, that if you don't have that kind of mindset of thinking in this way, it's not possible for them to now bring the open up the season of the doctrine of Christ, as Hebrews 6 put it, that if you bring the season of Christ to a person that has not embraced this concept of baptism, which is dying and then a newness of life coming, that person can never see the essence or any, any meaning in the way the New Testament is arranged. And and people will see very clearly. I think every each every one of us has probably seen it um, to a huge degree that um, once season begins to change from milk of the world into the meat of the world, the meat of the world is a season where you begin to really teach the doctrine of Christ, right? And once that season changes, a lot of things changes along with it. And what you find is that in the way, the mode, the the method, the the ambience, the emphasis, you know, and all of those things, and all, even the structuring of ministry that is geared towards the doctrine of Christ, right? That the way it is shaped, it is designed for the purpose of this dying and resurrection, right? You'll find out that um, it will be difficult to find a ministry that is focused on the, or a ministry expression that is focused on the doctrine of Christ that will have maybe at its main, at its center, many activities that does not give the opportunity for this kind of dying and resurrection, right? So there, you now discover that there are many things in the Christian that we've tagged along with Christianity that do not uh, that do not allow or are not part of this kind of com commission for dying and then uh, and resurrection and you know we, I give some examples you know the approach towards Christianity for example as seeing God primarily as someone who you know meets your needs for example you can see clearly how that has no dying and resurrection in there. Because when you say your needs, your needs has to do with you and all, there's nothing, you know, there's no dying, there's no newness of life, nothing new is involved, you know. That that puts that one aside, you know, Christianity that's focused on just meeting needs. Then you, what, are, what are the other kinds of Christianity we have? We have Christianity that's focused on philanthropy and all those things like giving back, maybe going to the third world, building hospitals, building churches, giving money, uh, feeding the poor, uh, feeding the hungry. You know, there are people who believe that that should be the core and the center of, of Christianity, especially in this developed world, like in North America. When you go to just walk into any random church here in Canada, a Canadian church, you'll find that for most of the churches, 
the core of their message is this, that they believe the main, most important thing, one of the most important things, at least in Christianity, is, is um, you know, being generous, being hospitable, being, you know, reaching out to people, all of those things, which are aspects of Christianity, but, but those are not the main things, right? So, and that's one aspect. You know, there are other things too. There are, for example, missions like evangelism, winning souls, right? This one should not be too far away from a lot of us that, you know, where you have ministries who have their main focus as winning souls because they, feel, they believe that the main purpose of after you get born again, so they will say, I'm safe to save others. That's the, the catchphrase that's used, you know, when thinking in this way. So you find, you know, you know, Christian, you know, circles or churches who believe in this way, believe that the most, the, the centrality of, you know, Christian journeys for you to win other souls because now you are saved, you're going to heaven. So, so if your life should just be one giant evangelism. And that's, that's the vision of Christian life. So you see all these many things and, and all these things I mentioned are, are key. Sorry, there are aspects of things that should be part of a Christian life, right? But any, any place or any person or any church or any, you know, denomination, you know, where the, any of these things I mentioned are central, right? Another one, too, is just the general concept of just being a good person, just being a nice person, you know, just, you know, just showing love, or, you know, all of those things that we, we see as Christianity, right? So what you find that any church or any people or any Christian group or who takes any of these things and puts that as, you know, as maybe a, um, one of the focus or orient themselves in alignment with any of these things mainly will have difficulty in having room for the doctrine of Christ, right? It will be difficult, for example, to go into a church that is structured in such a way that all the activities are about winning souls and then giving to the poor and doing missions. It will be very difficult, almost impossible, for fall in such a place to be conformed to the image of Christ because the structure of that place does not allow for burying and resurrection, right? Or they don't they don't have this kind of thought in their mind, right? So that's why um, the writer of Hebrew will, will put this as one of the foundation now principles of the doctrine. It means what should be one of the things that should be in place so that will guarantee that someone who is growing from the milk will end up in the doctrine of Christ. That if you don't have this doctrine of baptisms there and have things structured with that as a core understanding, you'll find out that these people will be doing all the other things, but there is no room for there to be an, an access, an entrance into the main matter, which is the, which is the doctrine of Christ. So, um, if I, want, if I want to give a picture of somebody who, of a person who is still somebody who is maybe still a baby in a sense, or who is still under the season of the milk of the world, but as the proper foundation of baptism, it will be somebody who, you know, 
um, as they are led, you know, they do other things, they do evangelism, they do um, they do philanthropy, they, they do all, all their nice people, you know, as the milk allows, right? They exercise faith and those things, but they also have a core understanding of the concept of Christianity being about their death and the and, and, and the resurrection that they need to go through. You understand? So, and how that manifests is in a kind of discomfort that the that such a person will have with their person as they are. So someone who has that this doctrine of baptisms is in them as a foundation. You one thing you will find about them is that they are not comfortable with who they are, right? And they don't even when you see them doing evangelism and all of those things. It's not from a place of oh we are now we arrived there, I'm saved. Let me save others or a place where you feel like this is what we are here to do. No, it's, it will come from a place of a feeling of almost a kind of bankruptcy, a kind of need, a sense of a kind of inadequacy. With a with very well, knowing fully well that the, the present person that they are would need to die so that another person can arise. That kind of mindset is what prepares the ground for the word of righteousness, for the doctrine of Christ. And someone who doesn't have that kind of mindset will have issues by the time you begin to teach doctrine, you begin to go into the intricacies of. You know, the learning of Christ, you, you begin to show the pathway because when you when because look at what Jesus Christ said you should teach in that Romans chapter that Matthew 28. Said baptizing them, teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Ghost. Out of those things they mentioned, they didn't mention anything about man there. They didn't mention anything about man. It means that someone who has this foundation of baptism will have an attitude where they don't get weary or feel like something is off. When they begin to go to meetings and, and church and hear the pastor begin to preach of things that are purely about, you know, the father, the son, and the spirit that has nothing to do with maybe life on the earth, you know, teaching people how to be good businessmen or teaching, giving back or building hospitals or doing evangelism and those things that we naturally see as applied to men, right? So if someone is having a problem with a kind of ministry that speaks about the unseen, because you see, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you can't, you can't see them. There is no place on the earth for them in our natural life. So there is no way you can be talking about them and be talking about things of men and things like, you know, all those projects we all do. So it's a, someone who has this doctrine of baptisms, with, who has the, the you know the establishment of this doctrine in them. One of the signs is that when the message becomes that begin to speak of these invisible beings, the Father, details about the Father and the Son and the Spirit that has nothing to do with life on earth, they won't feel it out of place because they've already established in their heart that the Christian walk is about this man, this corruptible man dying, him and all his things and all his loss and everything. His projects, his plans, his pursuits, and all of that, all of those things dying, and then him rising up in newness of life. And that newness of life is not just, just the, it's not the corruptible life, it's an incorruptible life. 
that will have to come by revelation, now, which is the, the end of, of, of teaching. I don't know if, if I've tried a little bit to sort of explain. Uh, sorry? Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Okay. God bless you. Yes. Um, okay. Thank you for thank you for that question. Um, does anyone have a, a question? Either based on what I just said or anything else. Sorry, so I had a question. Um, I, I missed some parts of last week, but um, just regarding baptism by water, um, I know you had said, or based on what you explained, and also from last week about how it seems like the main um, reason for baptism or significance of baptism is to be immersed in like the doctrine um, in doctrine so that's the like significance but like is it possible not is it possible but I'm guessing that's why we also understand it at new birth and that's why we get baptized in water so mm -hmm. is it possible that I understand these things but I don't um, I don't get baptized in water but I can still flow with the pattern of that um, spiritual immersion as the okay. growth, yeah. Okay, praise God. So I guess you are asking, um, what is the, I guess the main purpose of water baptism, and is this something that can be, um, sort of be substituted? Uh, yes. Sir. For yeah, for for just baptism by doctrine, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, so when it comes to back, uh, water baptism, I um, I think the, 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 the clearest perspective concerning it that we see is was Jesus's own um, Jesus's own attitude towards it, right? And um, um, thank God that the Bible gave us an insight into that. You know, the Bible didn't just say that, you know, Jesus was baptized by John. He actually gave us a story of how it happened. And in the story, we realized that um, John was actually hesitant to do it. And I'm sure part of the hesitancy of John was because John was, Jesus, God had told John before who Jesus was, right? And so when he, he came, he recognized him in a way and, because of that, he felt that ah, you already have all the inward spiritual essence, so to speak, of you know, bound to say baptism or doctrine and all of those things. He knew that this man was already a prophet, probably knew he was the son of God. Um, so he was wondering what what, what would you need <laughs> this water for? But the Bible says that Jesus told him that that I, I must do this thing to to fulfill all righteousness right uh -huh. mm -hmm. to fulfill all righteousness and we see also that water baptism is not just something that only that jesus did alone and then we can say okay because we are now born again we don't need to do we also see it after all or you know paul when he went to ephesus 
you know, he also acknowledged that baptism of water, which the people had there. Um, we had people when he went to Cornelius's house, the baptism of the spirit, but then there was also baptism of water. So and that this was New Testament time because Jesus had already gone right by that time, you know, but people were still being baptized in water. So um, there is something about that, the, the fulfilling of righteousness. And, and what, the way I see it is this, um, what, what baptism signified, and this is also what, part of what it signified in the time of John, right? Even before Jesus met John, um, we know one, that one thing about John is that John was a prophet. He was a prophet and he was a teacher, right? So he was a prophet, he was a teacher who was baptizing people with water. So that picture already makes me know that if, you know, I know what he was teaching was, they call the baptism of John, the baptism of repentance. So what, what John was teaching repentance to the people, right? So if John taught them repentance, but felt the need to baptize, it means there's something about that water baptism, which the Lord, heaven has actually ordained and sanctioned that people should do as a symbolic thing. Right, and it's not just symbolic, but it has also ramifications. And what one of what we are, one of the things main things we have learned that that baptism um, served was that it was like a it was like a public show, like sort of like a physical sort of declaration, right? And it's almost like saying, for example, um, in getting born again that. Why is it not okay to just believe in my heart? Why must I confess with my mouth? Even if can't God hear what is inside my heart? Why can't he? He doesn't he hear everything in my heart? Why does someone need to physically say, Lord, I accept you? And why must that confession? Because you can argue that that thing is just a ritual and it, it meant nothing. Okay, just in my heart should um that should be enough if I just say it in my heart. You know, it's the same kind of argument. Like, why do I have to physically? use my vocal cords to release sound waves. See that if I don't release those sound waves with my mouth, God will not hear. Why can't God look at my heart? But it's clear that Paul was saying that you have to believe in your heart, right? That he was raised and you must confess him with your mouth. So, so that's so we cannot just take physical thing because we are spiritual people. We can't just, just say that everything that is that seems like a physical act. In the New Testament, we can't just say that that can be replaced by just the spiritual essence. Another example I will give is the table of communion, right? And when Jesus sat at the Last Supper and he took the bread, he broke it, and he took the cup and they drank it, Jesus actually said to them that when I leave, don't just, I know that you will be partaking of my body through teaching, through revelation, inside your heart, you know, you will believe in me, you will understand doctrine. Jesus did not say that that should be enough. Jesus said, as often as you can, come together, sit down, take bread, put it on the table, take wine, fill up the cup, break it, drink it. Very physical thing, which we still do till today, because the Lord Jesus said we should do that. Right? So that's an aspect of, and there are, not, and there are just few things like that. Right? You see the, that table of communion, and you see baptism. Right, then 
and then you see that confession with your mouth. There are very few things like that in the New Testament with the Bible explicitly them explicitly demonstrates that we have to physically do right and and those things are as you said is to fulfill all all righteousness and to me it also tells us that um there has to be some kind of there's something powerful about the engagement of the body in something in things uh, the the engagement of the body right that's why um, um, what you do with your body counts, right? For example, if you if you in your heart just say, okay, from today I'm going to love love this person. Let's say someone uh, you had a message about love, right? And then someone who you happen to be walking in love with. And then you just decide in your heart, I believe this message. So from today in my heart, I'm going to love them. But you don't ever physically do anything that demonstrates that love. You find that you very easily, you begin to have issues. After a while, you even begin to doubt, do you really love this person? Because you find that inside your heart, there are all kinds of, all kinds of, your heart is, your heart is like a water that, you know, you know, that's a mixture of different impulses from external and internal. You know, so you, one of the you find is that that's, there's a huge part about spirituality that also involves the engagement of the outward man for certain things, right? Like when it comes to establishing you in love, it's not that you would do every single possible act to love, to demonstrate love towards somebody, but there are some, the Holy Spirit can lead you and, and instruct you, do this now. Do that now. Do that one now. At key moment, because set it that sometimes to establish some things, it might require an engagement of your physical body. Actually, there's something about the body that is housing the inward man that needs to be engaged for certain things. And only, I believe, only maybe the Lord knows fully the mystery behind that thing, but there's something about it. So there are some key things, and one of them is baptism. That Jesus said, this one should be done to fulfill all righteousness. Like the baptism of John, where they will all gather at Jordan. And John, John, those who he has taught, who have accepted his doctrine, will bring them to the water and he will baptize them publicly. Everybody will see them and they will see them going into the water and coming out. And you know that this one is a disciple of John. You know, it's like a public show. And they themselves... That act they've done sort of solidifies something that has been ongoing inside their heart, you know. And so that's something, you know, about this baptism thing. All right, when you're when you're baptized, you know, everybody sees you. You can never deny that you've not been baptized. It's the physical act you physically went to do. You can't walk back from it, you know. It's, and that's part of the the aspect of baptism. You're showing that, you know, you are now born again, that you have been buried with Christ in your spirit. And that you've been raised up from the dead, and you do it in the public, in the eyes of other witnesses who are there. There's something deeply powerful about that, and perhaps way more powerful than we might even understand. Maybe one day when we see the Lord, we will now begin to explain to us even further. Okay, that physical baptism is there are some things about it that you didn't know that that thing represented. You know what I mean? Uh, so anything that has to do like with things like that that I express expressly you know, giving as ordinances. And there are not that many of them when it comes to physical things you ought to do. Um, those, those ones are very, very key. And we need to, we can't just substitute them. 
or maybe an inward agreement with the principle behind it. I don't know if I've answered your question <laughs> at all. Mm. Yes, sir. Very well. Thank you so much. Yeah. God bless you. Okay. Uh -huh. Is there any other question? Question. Okay, still wait a little bit. All right, no question. Father, we thank you for today. Um, we ask that you will establish our hearts in everything that you have said to us. Thank you for the blessings of this evening. We ask that it will rest and in our hearts and it will not, uh, it will be lost. Thank you, our Father. Thank you, Lord. please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.